hello and welcome to episode 144 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on August 14th, 2019. My name is Corey Motley. I am a podcast producer and co-host of the So Video Games podcast and an occasional writer at GameCritics.com. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is my partner in crime and co-host of this podcast, and he is also the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am very well, sir. Thank you for asking. Good. I realized that I just told you right before we started recording that this was episode 143, but it was actually 144, so I lied to you, and I'm sorry about that. Oh man! Oh, oh I'll never, get over never this. be forgiven for this injustice. Never. Oh, that one is carved in stone. Oh, okay. All right, that's fine. We'll move past it for now. All right, let's. We will, we yeah. will circle back later, though. <laughs> or let's table it for now. We'll come back later. Um, <laughs> speaking of tabling things, uh, hello everybody. We do have banter after the show. Last week we did not. It was all. Um, I guess all games, um, in and out, although it was still like an hour and 45 minute show. So it was a lot of all games show, but we do have banter again this week. So, uh, we'll talk about it again later, but stay tuned after the show if you want to hear the banter. But, um, I'm assuming if you've tuned in right now, the reason why you're here is to listen to us talk about some motherfucking video games. So that's exactly what we're going to do right now, uh, Brad, because I'm hosting, I will, uh, lovingly give you the floor first. Uh, what would you like to talk about today? All right, let's get into it. Uh, looking forward to talking about games this week. I'm going to start off with a... You're going to hate me, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> hashtag Brad. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Can I guess what this is? Yeah, go ahead. You is already, it, yeah, it going to be a goddamn pixel-based roguelike on the Switch? Is that what this is? <laughs> oh, you know me so well. <laughs> you son of you a know bitch. me so oh well. <laughs> okay, yes, all right. Indeed. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I, I am... Like a pig in shit. You just cannot get me away from the 2D roguelikes. Uh, I am bringing to the show this week Black Paradox, playing it on the Switch. Um, I didn't do any notes this week, so I'm sure it's on PC. I don't know if it's anywhere. It's probably on Xbox. It's probably on everything. I don't know. Uh, this is, as we've just clearly established, a 2D side-scrolling, pixel-based roguelike. But it's also a shoot-em-up. Um... I feel like I just talked about shoot up, but in fact I did. I talked about Fish and Superstar X last week, and it's ironic that I played these two back to back because each one is essentially the same thing as the other, but they kind of do things a little bit differently from each other. So even though on paper they could be twinsies, um, they actually do feel pretty different when you play them. Um, so Black Paradox, you uh, are a ship which looks more like a DeLorean with the doors open. I don't know why, but it just is. And you have, you play a bounty hunter who's in space and you need to bust, I think, seven intergalactic bad guys. And each, there's so there's seven levels and they, they play like side-scrolling shoot-em-up levels like an R-Type or a Gradius or, a, you know, Darius or something like that, like, like a 2D shooter. Um, you just jump in, there's like loads of enemies, they shoot at you, you shoot at them. Very traditional kind of 16-bit shoot-em-up action. Uh, but it, the roguelike stuff comes into play because in the middle of every stage, there'll be one specific ship that pops up. And if you shoot that ship, it'll drop a power-up. And that power-up is always random. So, like, it'll be like, 
it'll be a gun of some sort always, but it's always like one will be like a boomerang blade. Sometimes it's a laser. Sometimes it's a shotgun. Sometimes a flamethrower. Like you never know what you're going to get. So you get that. Uh, and if you don't like it, you can switch back to like your regular pea shooter and you can kind of go back and forth between two weapons all the time. Um, and you push on. And then if you get to the end of the stage, beat a boss, you will get one more power up. It's not a gun, but it's usually like a buff. It'll be like, uh, you get like a little drone to come with you. There's several varieties of drones or it'll be like, oh, plus 20% damage or like a, you get a shield or something like that. So that's basically the, the format of the game. You go through a level, you get a random weapon in the middle of the level, keep it or don't, it's up to you. And you can hold up to two weapons at a time. Keep on shooting. And when you get to the boss, uh, if you beat him, then you get one more like power up and those stack as long as you don't die. Um, so straightforward, the action is pretty satisfying. I will say it's difficult. I think the shooting is pretty difficult. A lot of bullets on the screen, a lot of different kinds of bullets on the screen. So right when you start to get comfortable with something, a, 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 a wrench will be thrown into the works. And the levels are, I don't know if they're procedurally generated, but there's a lot of different levels. So like if you start the game, start level one, and it'll be like a series of like blue boxy ships that shoot straight ahead. If you die and come back to level one, it might be, green triangle ships that shoot at like an angle or like they might be like you know like orange some other kind of shape of ship and they shoot like in a circle so like even though you're playing the same level like the bosses are always in the same order the levels may be different and the enemies that you come across in the levels are different so you can never really practice and just like be super familiar with like a level you know like like in old shooters if you played them enough times you would know exactly which enemies were coming when you could position yourself to kill them before they have a chance to kill you and just by sheer repetition you could really master those, but that's not really possible here because the levels change up enough that you just have to just really get into it and just be good at shooting. Um, you just cannot really memorize anything because there's nothing to memorize. I think the graphics are pretty good. I really like them. I think it's got a good look. They're colorful. I think the character designs are, are pretty amusing. And after you finish a run, you collect a certain amount of money and then you can go to a shop and the shop will unlock some permanent power-ups. Uh, so you can get um, you know, like, oh, you'll have a 5% chance of shooting, like, an extra bullet, or, like, you'll get, like, a, I don't know, whatever, like, 10% more life or something. So, like, you have to earn money over the course of doing runs, and then if you save up enough money, you can unlock some of these power-ups, and the power-ups are the persistent, the, excuse me, the persistent thing, which will kind of help you eventually beat the game, because the difficulty is pretty fucking steep. I mean, I think I'm pretty good at shooters. Uh, not the best, but pretty good, and I've had difficulty getting past the third stage out of seven, so I've got quite a ways to go. Um, the only things that I would say that are bad about it is that I think the grind is maybe a little bit too much. I know that when we talked about Fish and Superstar X, one of my big knocks against that game was that there wasn't anything persistent and you just had to just like get good. And because of that, I didn't really feel like I had a legitimate hope of winning that game because there was nothing really to practice. You just kind of either do it or don't. Um, and I, I like a little bit more of a, an in for players when they do roguelikes. So this one does have the persistence, which I like. I think it's a good system and I don't mind playing levels and saving money and buying power-ups, but I feel like the, the, the power-ups are all really expensive and you don't get very much money. So it feels like a really long time between power-ups and the power-ups so far are not great. Like getting a 2% chance to do something or like a 1% chance to do something in my mind is basically a 0% chance. Like it's not really worth buying and it doesn't really affect your game that much. So I wish the persistent stuff got better faster. 
Uh, people tell me that if you keep going, that the power-ups get stronger and stronger as you go, but I feel like it should be going a little faster. So I feel like progression is a little bit too slow for my taste, but I like the graphics. I like that the runs are so quick. I like um, just the general concept of it. Um, so overall, I do like it. Uh, it. It succeeds in a few places where Fish and Superstar X didn't, namely the Persistence. Um, but I think it's generally a harder game. You have to be better at shooters to be to hang with this one. Um, so overall, I dig it. I've been playing maybe one or two runs a night. Um, I don't know that I'm going to go the distance. I'm going to try. But I can already tell like I'm kind of like burning out on it a little bit because I'm just not really getting further. Um, but overall, still, still dig it. Still dig it. I would recommend it if you are a fan of shooters or if you are a fan like me, junkie, junkie of roguelikes, especially on the Switch. I think it's a really good fit for the Switch. So I like it. I'm glad I bought it. I'm still playing it. Um, I wish it was tweaked a little bit, but I, I'm still in there. Do you, I have one question about this game. Um, do you think... Because when you're talking about whenever, you, even if you die and restart the levels, that it's kind of like randomizes the enemy ships or the attack patterns that they have. Do you like that? Or would you rather have the levels be the same every time you die and go back? I mean, honestly, I think it's kind of, I think it's good. I think it is good that it's randomized because I noticed that I don't get bored. Like I would, I would get bored if I was doing the exact same level one over and over and over and not getting further. So the fact that I'm not really getting further but the level feels different every time I play it is kind of like giving it more life. So I think that's a good move. I think that's definitely a good move. I think, I mean, honestly, I feel like if they would just tweak the persistence a little bit to let you power up a little bit faster, like I would be way more positive on this because I, I really like a lot of what it's doing. Um, and I think that they use the randomness appropriately. And it's good that the bosses are always in the same order because then you know what you're up against and you can kind of, I mean, within reason, kind of kit yourself out the right way. But no, I like it. I mean, I like it. I think in general I like it, but it's just one of those games where I just feel like it's just like a little bit too hard where I like it, but I don't want to like devote the next six months of my life to getting good <laughs> at it, which is like, I mean, that's like a lot of games that I play these days where it's like, I like it, but I don't want it. I don't want to be married to this game. Like I want to just have a week of a really good time and then move on. So I don't know. I, mean, I wish I could finish it in a week. I'm not going to finish it in a week. I, I definitely won't. Uh, and I probably will not go the distance on it. Um, Probably not, but I, I still think it's a really good game, though. Okay, cool. Well, um, speaking of uh, hard games, we can do a little segue into the first game I want to talk about, if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. I, and in fact, looking at the script, <laughs> I am very eager to hear you talk about it. Because we talked about this on the show, didn't we? I feel like we did. Yeah, because you played it, and I have I have just now got my hands on the demo, and that's it. Um, so I have thoughts on this for sure, but please take the floor, sir, and let us know what you think about Ape Out. Yeah, so you had talked about this game um, a while back, probably about a month ago on the show, and, um, you know, I think it was actually Devolver Digital who tweeted that they had put a demo out for Ape Out, and it was a game that I was interested in playing at the time, but I remember you saying that it was really hard and that you kind of weren't, it wasn't really worth the frustration that it was putting you through, but that it was a generally like entertaining game. And I thought that I might buy it on a really hard sale or something like that. Um, Cause I'm not really into the whole like hard game situation. Um, but they put out a demo for it. So I was like, okay, perfect. Like, this is exactly what I need. Like we need more demos in the world because I'm not going to spend like $20 or however much this game is. So I downloaded it and I played it a little bit last night, right before I went to bed. And I don't know how long, the demo is, but I can um, 
successfully say that I could not even make it through the demo. It was so hard. (laughs) So, like, there's no way I'm going to, like, I would ever buy this game. And the thing that pisses me off a lot is that this game seems so cool. Like, the whole presentation of it, like, it starts out and it has this cool, like, jazz drum beat going on and like you know devolver digital font comes up on the screen and then like the developer comes up on the screen and then like you know the name of the game comes up and it's this cool like cartoony jazz thing very like silhouetted and it's like green and yellow and just like cool colors and then as you are playing the game um, and just to remind people who don't know what this game is it's like a top down you play as an ape who escapes some kind of like I don't even know, like, a facility? I don't even know what it is. And basically, you just, like, run around the screen, and it's this cool, like, kind of, like, paper cutout-looking, silhouette like, colorful game where you're just, like, killing dudes with tranquilizer guns. Like, essentially, it's kind of, like, the situation. Um, it's, like, fast and brutal, similar to, like, Hotline Miami or something like that. And, like, so you, like, start the game, and you, like, break out of the cell. And, like, the thing that I think is super cool is that the game is very into, like the jazz, like, drum beat that's playing. So it's got this cool, like, percussion beat going on. And every time you either attack an enemy or, like, kill an enemy, there'll be, like, a cymbal uh, hit, you know, from the drum set. And, like, so that's kind of stuff, like, syncs up with the music in a really cool way. And just, like, the graphical design of it is really incredible. Like, I just love the way the game looks. It looks super cool. It sounds super cool. It plays on the Switch. I've been playing on Switch. It plays super well on the Switch. Like, it just controls really well. Um, It just has this, like, dynamite, like, polished presentation, but also polished in a way that doesn't look like it was made in a boardroom of, like, people that work at EA that just, like, dumb everything down for an audience. Like, it looks like it's, like, definitely has a cool artistic vision, but it's just been polished to perfection. And so, like, I want nothing more than to be able to play this game because it, like, looks cool. It sounds cool. It has, like, just, like, it has, like, attitude. Like, it's just a cool game. But it's fucking hard. And, like, I'm not going to play a game that's really, really hard um, just, like, to, to to get that, like, flavor, like, the cool flavor that it's serving up with, like, the music and the visuals and everything. It's just not worth it to me. Like, I'm not going to put myself through that. And something that bothers me about this game is, like, basically from as much as I played it, I probably played it for about 20 minutes last night. Um, you know, you're an ape. You're going around the screen, top-down, Hotline Miami style, and there's, like, dudes with tranquilizer guns. And one of the things that the game does is that you can't really see around corners until you're around the corner, and then you can see the enemies. So if you, like, turn a corner or come around a pillar or something and there's an enemy there, they have kind of, like, a slow draw of their weapon, and then they shoot you, and you can withstand about, like, three or four shots before you die. Um, but, like, once they kind of, like, train their vision on you and start raising their gun you can't really, like, do anything. There's no, like, at least not that I have discovered in the demo that I played, there's no, like, dodge button or, like, jump button. There's no really way to, like, get out of the way of the enemy unless you, like, go back behind a corner. So, like, you kind of get into the scenario where, like, if you turn a corner and an enemy is, like, kind of far away and they see you, you just, like, you either run up to them and get shot, like, trying to kill them, or you have to, like, go back behind the corner. And, like... This is not, like, fucking Rainbow Six Vegas. Like, this is not a cat-and-mouse cover shooter. Like, this is a fast action game about, like, you know, hit killing these, like, tranquilizer scientist dudes or whatever. So I don't like the fact that it's, like, kind of trying to do that thing where it, like... It's, like, you can't, like, run headfirst into the action even though the game is kind of an action game. And it's just really bothering me. And I don't... I just didn't like how hard it was. And I don't like how far back you checkpoint every time you die. And... 
I, I just like really want to love this game, but I can't do that in its current state unless they patch it or they do something, you know, patch it in easy mode or something. I just can't, I can't get on board with it. I wish I could because it's super cool, super slick, super stylish, just really has a cool artistic vision, but it's just too hard and I can't deal with it. So, okay, so I've got many, many thoughts right now. I mean, yes, everything you said, yes. I got this, I don't know if I reviewed it, or I think maybe Mike Susky reviewed it or something like that, but I remember I, I got it because I was, everybody in my timeline was like, ape out, ape out, ape out, so good, so good, and I'm like, okay, cool, I'll give it a shot. And I, so ironically, this was the game, no, okay, so I played on Switch, and I played all my games on the Switch without any sound because I'm usually in bed, I don't want to wake up my wife. And I played, like, the entire first world before I even realized there was a sound component to it. <laughs> so, I mean, I was like, okay, this looks cool and everything. And I didn't really get like what the big deal was, but I think that if you don't hear it, you're probably missing out on half of the fun um, because I just, I never had the sound on. Um, but yeah, it is, it is way too hard. I think it's really too hard. And it kind of makes me think like, like I was just saying about black paradox. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just like, us are we getting old is it just our taste changing or whatever but i find myself more and more wanting to engage with the game because of its aesthetics or because of its concepts or because of the unique mechanics that it has but i find myself like really losing interest when it wants me to like work hard for it and i know that some people are probably thinking i'm like soft and i've lost my edge <laughs> and coming up with all sorts of slurs for me and all this stuff but it's like i mean honestly like i've i've played the hardest games out there i've finished the hardest games out there i have cut my teeth on hard stuff so it's not like i'm just opposed to difficulty in general but i just feel like a lot of times like the value of a game is in what it looks like and how it makes you feel and not necessarily in like really working hard to enjoy it i i guess i just find that very few games these days are really worth the effort of like overcoming these really arbitrary obstacles that the developer is putting your way i would much rather play something like ape out on like an easy mode where I'm just kind of enjoying the audio and the visuals, appreciating the work that went into it, you know, the different level designs and just kind of engaging on that level and just having a good time with it rather than like busting my ass trying to like, <laughs> you know, tooth and claw for every inch of progress. You know what I mean? Like I find myself le fewer and fewer times these days where I really will be like, yes, I am going to put on my big boy gamer pants and I'm going to power through <laughs> this thing and I'm going to work real hard and I'm going to die a thousand times and I'm going to like it. Like I just... I'm not in that zone anymore. And this is exactly in that zone of where I wish it was easier. I would have loved it. I would have been happy to recommend it to everyone if I could just engage with it for what it was rather than to have it be so difficult. And there's no reason. I mean, they could very easily give you 10 hit points instead of three hit points or give you a mode where, um, I don't know, just whatever. Like there's all sorts of different, uh, you know, the AI could be slower on the draw or whatever. There's all sorts of different things that you could do that wouldn't necessarily break the game because... I mean, I don't know about you, Corey, but I, in this particular case, I don't feel like the difficulty is really a selling point of this game. I think it's about the jazz soundtrack, and I think it's about the visuals and the abstract and you're a gorilla. I mean, that to me is really the selling point, not that it's so fucking balls hard. I mean, do you think this game would be damaged if it was easier? Uh, not at all. And I don't think it's just like the, the classic argument we have with like when it comes to like Dark Souls or something where, you know, if... They wanted to add an easy mode. You have all these like assholes on the internet that are like, oh my God, it'll ruin the experience if there's an easy mode. And it's like, or it won't because you don't have to play on easy mode. Like just give people who don't want to like kill themselves to enjoy your game an easier mode. And then you'll have more people buying your goddamn games. So that way you can make more games. Like why is this such a hard concept to get behind? I don't get it. 
I mean, exactly, dude, exactly. Let people have the option. People who want to play it really hard can play it hard. People who don't want to play it so hard can have an out. And then more people will enjoy the game. I mean, is that really what games are all about? Like, don't you want to make a product that someone enjoys? And, like, you are telling me how I should enjoy this game, which I guarantee you is not going to be always true. So, I mean, I would have been really a champion for this game if I had been able to get through it. I got through the first world, and I got to be honest with you, dude. I got through the first world, and I thought that was the game. I thought the game was over. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) Man, that got hard. Okay, whoo, did it. Okay, that was good. And then it's like, yeah, world two. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> There's like three more worlds. Oh, I'm out. And I like, I bailed. Like, because it got like ridic hard. It was way too hard uh, for me to enjoy it. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who are like, oh, it's so easy. Oh, you guys are so soft. But whatever. <laughs> I mean, who cares? Uh, but yeah, that's, it kind of just loops us back to that discussion of like, I let people enjoy your work. And if you don't think that people can enjoy your work if it's easier, I don't know. Maybe think about that, bro. Like maybe just look at that and wonder why you're making it so difficult. So I don't know, but I, I feel you, man. I liked what it was doing, but I 1000% am on board with the whole, it is, it is just too hard to be enjoyable. Yeah. I'm not into it. And I mean, jokes on them. Cause now they lost. I mean, I wasn't going to like buy it anyway, but now they lost another potential sale because I don't want to deal with how difficult it is. So sorry about, sorry to Volver digital. If you guys weren't all about like, making hard games for, you know, the get good crowd that you would have had a sale on me, but not anymore. Bye. Yeah. 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 So anyway, all right. Can I take over here? You want me to talk about my next game? You may. All right. So interestingly that we were just talking about difficulty, uh, because I think that is kind of a factor in what I'm about to talk about. Uh, open world RPG, third person, Eurojank coming from developer <laughs> Piranha Bytes. This game is called Elex. Hold on, Piranha Bites, like the fish, the teeth. Yeah, yeah, that is the name of their studio, Piranha (laughs) Bites. Except for it's it's B Y T E S. Oh, like gigabytes, but okay, I see what. Oh, okay, I see what's going on here. I like this. It's like a little little play on words. See what they're doing there. They kind of yeah. Okay, there you go. I'm into this. Uh, All right, carry on. So, (laughs) (laughs) so the the game I'm talking about today is called Elex. E L E X. Um, and it's the funniest thing. I would have sworn to you. That this came out, this game came out six months ago when I just didn't get to it. Uh, I think it came out in like 2017 or something oh like God. that. And I'm like, holy shit, has it gone? Has, has that much time passed by this quickly? <laughs> I think it has. Uh, feels like just yesterday this game came out, which is really fucking weird. I kind of went through the time warp there. But like I said, this is Eurojank. These guys are from Poland, I believe. Playing a lot of Polish games lately. I kind of dig what they're doing over there in Poland. Uh, open world, third person. Um, just as a little bit of backstory, I guess first, have you heard of Elex or have you heard of also um, Risen? And there's also one other series that these guys do, and they all kind of follow the same template. Have you have you ever interacted with Piranha Bytes before, knowingly or unknowingly? I have not interacted with them, but I feel like Elex I've seen on the PSN like a million times, but I don't think I've ever like really looked into it. I think it's because I knew... I, I had to have known what kind of game it was and knew probably that it wasn't for me, so I just never bothered trying to get like check it out or anything. I mean, probably a wise choice. Probably a wise choice. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'm actually a fan of Piranha Bytes going back a ways. I did not interact with their first series. I think it's called Gothic, um, and I believe it was a primarily a PC game, which is probably why I never interacted with it. Uh, but they brought Risen, their next series, to console, and these guys kind of do the same thing every time and they just kind of iterate on it and iterate on it but i actually really like what they're doing and it's interesting to see them grow as a studio 
Um, Elex is by far the best game they've ever done, and it's really polished and enjoyable in a lot of ways. And you can see how they got there by going back and looking at their older games. Um, so their, their basic template is you play as a character who basically has nothing. You end up in a new land, which is uh, usually has three factions in it, and then you have to survive by either aligning yourself with a faction or just getting strong enough to survive in the world. Uh, the combat is usually pretty stiff. There's a lot of RPG elements like leveling up your different skills, like st stamina, health, uh, attack strength, uh, like being a slick talker, your charisma, that kind of stuff. And then um, lots of different weapons. And the other thing is that uh, there's the, the quest structure is really intricate. So a lot of the people that you talk to will have relationships with other people. And so you have to be very mindful about who you align yourself with and what choices you make. And also um, their, their worlds are very detailed, um, open world, like I said, and you can go almost anywhere from the get-go uh, and they're gated by creatures that are too hard. Um, you will find out pretty quickly when you're in the wrong spot because monsters will just like run right up and munch you pretty hard. So you get a pretty good sense of how lethal the game can be. Um, they're not afraid to kill you at the drop of a hat. I've died in Elex probably a million times, but that that's their general template. Um, that holds true in Elex as well. This time around... You play as a person who is descended from a highly advanced yet conscience-free kind of group where they're the, the, the biggest badasses on the playground, but they're also assholes. Um, you have your stuff stripped away from you, and you get dropped off in the middle of this land, and everybody in the land kind of hates you, so you kind of are kind of hush-hush about who you are, and then you kind of have to make your friends, like, you know, find people that will give you food and shelter get some weapons, do some jobs to kind of build your way up and then figure out, you know, which group do you want to align yourself with. In Elex, there are, it's a post-apocalyptic landscape that is being reclaimed by nature. So you get dropped off in the, like the nature zone where uh, the, the group that you're with there, it's called the Barbarian, the Berserkers. They are bringing nature back. Like they're reclaiming the land. They're planting seeds. They're planting trees. They're, you know, funneling water and they're doing all this stuff, but they're kind of like these, um, real strict rule followers. Uh, later on, you'll find the outlaws who are guys out in the desert getting high all the time. They just backstab each other and they just all about like no rules. Don't fence me in. There's also the clerics who want to bring the civilization back from before the apocalypse. They worship technology and they think about like the mind and mental kind of stuff. And so that's kind of their thing. They want to go back to the old ways so it's these three groups that are all fairly balanced and they're kind of in opposition to each other, but they all kind of also work together. And you just have to figure out what kind of person do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What kind of quests do you want to do? And I, I really like this game a lot. I think um, Elix has a lot to offer people who like third world Western style um, RPGs. It reminds me a lot, honestly, of a cross between Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Um, not quite as open and not nearly as... Um, as open and free as those. I mean, you can go anywhere, but the quest structures I think are pretty rigid and they want you to think about your character a lot. Like, you know, who, who gets hurt if I sell a gun to this person, you know, who gets hurt if I let this criminal go like, and, and there's not really necessarily a right or wrong. Like there's no good or bad. There's no Paragon or Renegade. It's, it's really just about like how you navigate your way. Like, I mean, you may piss off a bunch of guys in one town, but that'll make you a lot of friends in another town. Uh, but then that might have another impact on the world. Like maybe you'll have fewer resources because you didn't help this certain person or, you know, like it's very intricate, very intricate. And I really like the way that those quests play out. 
Um, also, I really like the world a lot. Um, one really high point for me, and probably not really the reason why I like this game so much, but your main guy has a jetpack, and so you know already it's on my good side, right? I mean, you have a little jetpack, and so it's kind of that element of going anywhere you want to. So it's an open world, and if there's vertical stuff, there's houses, there's abandoned houses from before the apocalypse, there's big rocks or buildings or something, a cliffside, you can use your jetpack to kind of climb these places, and so it gives you... Um, a lot of freedom to uh, cross the landscape. It's not it's not as forgiving as something like Breath of the Wild is, but you can really traverse a lot of the landscape and have a lot of freedom to try to try things. Um, you can escape from enemies that way, or you can like get into places that you might not ordinarily get to because you can drop in from above, or you can like fly over a big fence or something. So the jetpack adds a great element to it. But just going out in the world, I think, is pretty cool because. There's always something to discover. There's lots of ruins. There's lots of little caves. There's lots of stuff to find. And you never know what's going to be around the next corner. Like you could come across a little mutant chicken that you can kill in two hits and then get some chicken uh, meat off of it. Or you might come across this giant like cyborg monster that'll kill you in one hit. And so you're always like, the, like the sense of danger is kind of real in this game. And I feel like um, in terms of difficulty, it is a very difficult game, but I feel like it earns it because uh, it, 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 puts you in the situation where you really do need to think about what you're doing, where you're going, what supplies you have. And I feel like it, it, it feels really good. It feels like I'm actually exploring. feels like I'm really trying to learn the world. feels like I'm trying to keep myself alive. Um, it's not so difficult that it's unplayable, but you really can't just go fuck around. Like, you've got to play pretty intentionally. Uh, but what it offers, I think, is really great. I think the world is beautiful. I think there's lots to, lots to find, lots to explore. Um, a lot of cool concepts going on in this post-apocalyptic world. I think that the meshing of the three groups is pretty cool. And I just how you play out the quest is really nice, too. Like, you know, you meet certain people and you got to think about, well, who do I like and who do I not like? Um, this guy is a murderer, but he can help me. Should I turn him in and please the authorities or should I keep him with me because he'll help me stay alive longer? I mean, you have all sorts of little trade offs as you go along. Um, I really like it a lot. I mean, it's definitely a European game uh, it, along, you know, with all the trappings that come with like a, a European RPG. I mean, it's not exactly a JRPG, and it's definitely not an American RPG. So there's certain things that you have to expect going into it. Uh, but if you're at all familiar with, like, the Eurojank genre <laughs> or the stuff coming out of Poland or anything like that, um, you know, that's a good mental starting place. And I think that Elex is really good. I mean, I it seems like a really huge game. I'm only maybe, like, eight hours into it, and I feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface. Um, but I've just really been enjoying my time so far. I'm really glad that I remembered I bought it a million years ago. And it really holds up. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who wants like a Fallout slash Elder Scrolls slash Witcher-ish sort of a thing. I mean, a little bit janky, a little bit lower rent than some of those. But man, it's got a lot going for it. I really like it a lot. You know, right in the middle of whenever you were talking about this game, I came up really, really close to just interjecting and cutting you off because whenever you were talking about the factions and how they have these different, um, you know, you have like the burnouts that are like doing drugs and you have the people that worship technology and stuff like that. I came really close to just asking you like, hey, Brad, are you sure you're not talking about Fallout New Vegas? Because it sounds a hell of a lot like Fallout. And then like five seconds later, you were like, oh, I compare this most closely to Fallout and Elder Scrolls, so it makes perfect sense. Um, so, like, is it is it, like, as story-rich as a Fallout? Or, like, how, like, I don't know, just how does, like, it compare to that exactly? Um, I mean, it is comparable in some ways, although, to be honest with you, like, as I'm playing it, I don't feel like I'm playing New Vegas again, although there definitely are some parallels, like you said, I mean, with the 
those guys out in the desert and the, the techno people and stuff. I mean, but they feel different to me. And I mean, maybe that'll change as I get uh, further in. I'm only about eight hours in. So I'm staying mostly with the berserker people who are like the nature worshipers and stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm too weak to really venture that far out. Um, so I, I, will, I will get more story as I go along. But so far, like I, I think the writing is really good. I think the characters are pretty interesting and they're really setting up uh, a lot of discussion and thought provoking things about their own philosophies. Cause like, so like I'm in the, the berserker camp and these guys are like, yeah, we hate technology, technology fucked over the world. We want to go back to nature and that's fine. That's like their general rule. But then you will also find many people who are like, yeah, trees are cool, but like, I wish we could play with some guns again. And I wish, you know, like, <laughs> and then some guys will be like, oh, well, you know, these guys are too strict to me. Like, I feel like they're, they're not flexible enough and yeah, it's kept us alive, but I don't agree with some of these things. And so you meet like lots of people who have different variations and they show that not everybody is just like a robot, like parroting the same laws and rules mm, when you're in town. Yeah. So okay. you, you, yeah, you very often have to think about, oh, well, you know, this guy wants to bend the rules a little bit. I mean, that's going to make the leader upset if he finds out, but if he doesn't find out, is that okay? Like, what does that mean? And there's no morality meter. Like you're not gaining or losing points, but like, it'll say like when you're talking to a person, uh, and it, like in this in this particular town, all guns are banned. And so like he's like, yeah, I really want to get a gun because I, you know, whatever reason. So you have like a bunch of options. And if you say, oh, guns are terrible, you're a terrible person for even saying that, then it, then he will he will like you less. And so like his um, response to you will change. And so you have to like kind of think about like, what does this guy offer me? Like, what do I need him? Like, is he important? It kind of get something from him. Will he help me survive or does it not matter? Um, and so you're, you're constantly kind of gauging, like, how you're reacting to people or how people are reacting to you. Um, and I, I, I really appreciate that level of it. Like, you're not just, like, automatically clicking the top response because that's the good response every time you talk <laughs> to somebody. Um, and, and sometimes the responses will change. Like, you'll find out a piece of evidence about somebody, and then that'll change the responses that are available to you. And it's not always good. Like, sometimes you find out some dirt on people, and they're embarrassed that you know. And so, like, they'll become colder to you or... You know, like they sometimes don't want to fight you if you find out certain things. And so you really have to be kind of conscientious about who you're talking to, what you say and what you know. And I really appreciate that that um, lattice work of like all the writing and, and dialogue. It's not easy to do because if you do certain things out of order, sometimes the dialogues don't 100 percent make sense. Like you'll talk to somebody and like you'll already know something that maybe <laughs> the writers didn't think you would have known. And it, it never breaks anything. It's not broken. But like, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I should have. This would have come off a different way if I had talked to this guy first or whatever. But, like, it all works. Like, it all makes sense. You can easily figure out what's going on. Um, so I think from that perspective, it's really good. I think there's, a, like, a ton of really details in the world. It's it's hard to really describe how detailed this world is. But I would easily say it's at least as detailed as anything out there. Like, as, as detailed as Bethesda has done or as detailed as Ubisoft has done or something. I mean, these guys at Piranha Bytes, I don't hear their name come up very often. But they are doing some phenomenal work with, like, environmental storytelling and some quest design. I think there's some really interesting shit going on here. I mean, it's not as high budget, and it's definitely jankier. Um, and they haven't really had any success. But, like, even going as far back as Risen, which is where I kind of joined up with them, that game was really fucking janky. But, man, some of the stuff you could do in that game, like, some of the triggers that, like, connected characters together and events together, really impressive. Like, really complicated, really... Um, just so smart, like scripting. Some of the stuff you could do was amazing and they've just gotten better at it. So, I mean, you'll find like a corpse here, you'll find a note there, you'll find a, a weapon here and like it all connects to something else. Like there's always somebody who wants to know about that thing or somebody who lost that thing or it all just, it all just comes together. Like it's not just 
junk scattered in houses, you know. And I, another thing that I really appreciate, one of my favorite things, is that these people 100% will fucking stomp on your balls if you do the traditional RPG thing of enter a person's house, steal all their shit, go to the next person's house, steal all their shit. <laughs> like, if you play this like a Hoover game, you people will die, like, they will attack you because they are aware that you are stealing their shit. And, like, you don't go into people's houses and rob every single person, which I think is great because it makes it very realistic. Like if you're in this village, you must respect people's shit. Like you don't walk <laughs> in their space because they will get mad. You steal anything and they will fucking attack you outright. And it's like, it's cool because it makes it feel a bit more realistic. Um, just the personalities are different and how you interact is really important. Like how you behave, what you say really makes a difference. So in that respect, I really like it a lot. And just the world, I think it's just a joy to explore. There's so many cool little things to find cool little scenarios that you come across. Like sometimes the monsters will be fighting each other. And if you, there's a big monster that you can't kill, you can like piss him off and then run back to like the village and then all the villagers will come out and kill him for you. Or like you can trick monsters into fighting each other or, I mean, all sorts of little stuff like that. Like a lot of really cool moments, a lot of really cool places to kind of stumble across. And it all feels very organic and natural. I've really been having a great time with it and I'm glad that I have it. Cause I was really in the mood for one of these things. Um, just this open world kind of third person RPG and Piranha Bytes does a great job. They really do not get the recognition they deserve. I wish more people were fans of theirs uh, because I'm just, I'm so impressed with what they do here. Okay, so I'm pretty conflicted about this game because from what you're talking about, it sounds like I should like this game, but I also feel like I shouldn't. And I don't know, like, do you think I would like this? Uh, so, okay, so how did you feel about New Vegas? I mean, I liked it less than Fallout 3, but I still liked it. Okay. What, what did you not like about it? Do you remember? Um, I did not like the fact that the game kind of ended up devolving into me just fast traveling and looking at loading screens a ton. And plus it got like really buggy toward the end when it was like ramping up to the final segments. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, I would, I would say you probably would not like this game um, because I feel like the difficulty is actually pretty high. Um, it takes a really long time before you can survive, like, anything. Um, you start out really, really weak, and you have to find, like, the easiest possible quests. And even doing the easy quest, there's a chance you're going to die. Um, when you go out in the wilderness, like, a lot of things can kill you, like, almost immediately. <laughs> um, the, the lethality level of the game is pretty high. Um, when you're in town, it's not too bad, but it just takes a while. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of, like really slow progress um i like it in this particular case because i admire like the details and i like the way that it's coming together and i feel like they've created a really cool world a uh, really cool interesting post-apocalyptic landscape um, that does not mirror exactly every other post-apocalyptic game out there and plus i'm familiar with their game so i kind of know their bullshit right like i know how they operate i know what to expect and i know that this is kind of my style uh i I don't think you would probably like this. I think you would find it too hard because you'd be dying every five seconds. And I feel like progress would be coming way too slow for you. I think that for a normal person, this is probably a kind of a torturous experience in some ways. But if you click with it, it's wonderful. Um, and I, I do click with it, but I don't think that this is everybody's jam. Okay, I can I can respect that. And plus, at the end of the day, it's just another game that I don't have to play. And there's already plenty of games to play out there anyway. So I'm certainly not going to be offended or sad that this is not for me and I will just pass and move on. Yeah, I would be really shocked if you liked it. I, I just can't see you getting into it. And I bet most people 
will find it to be really hard and a little bit unapproachable at first. I mean, I think there's, it's like, it's like, like, I want to say it's like an oyster, but I think oysters are actually really gross. But like, <laughs> think of something like, okay, coconut, like it's a coconut. It's really hard on the outside. It takes a lot to get through it. But once you get to the middle, I really like coconut. So I think it's delicious and it's worth the effort. Um, I don't know that everybody would think that it was worth the effort, but if you like intricate stories, intricate world design, it definitely doesn't feel like everything else out there. Like if you want an RPG that feels like its own thing, despite all the similarities to Elder Scrolls or Fallout, this feels like its own thing. Like it really, really does. If you're up for that, this could be your jam, but like it is kind of a tall order. I Not for everybody. Okay, understandable. Then I, yeah, then I'm A-okay just pretending like this game never existed and I will not play it. Probably for the best. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, let's move on. Um, do you have anything else to say about it before we move on? No, that's it. Just that I'm really enjoying it. I may bring it up again. I, I would really like to finish this game, but I imagine that it's probably really, really long, so I don't know if I will have the raw time. But if I do keep going, um, I'll do an update at some point in the future. But as of right now, know that I really like it a lot. I give it a thumbs up. Excellent. Okay, well, good. If you bring it back with more updates, I look forward to hearing that. Um, but let's move on. We've got one more game slated for the show, and this is actually going to be a, a tiny bit of a maybe a, a dual discussion. Because um, last week, if you have listened to that show and remember, uh, Brad bought or bought, I guess bought and brought um, a lovely little game called Refunct to the show. Uh, just to remind everybody, this was a kind of a first-person, short and sweet, like parkour-type platforming experience that had come out on the PC in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, and then it had recently launched on consoles. Um, and I was really shocked that Brad was playing it because it sounded really up my alley. It was like a first-person platformer. It was parkour. Um, it just seemed like something I would play more than he would play. And so naturally, being the jealous bitch that I am, as soon as we finished recording, I went to my Switch and bought it immediately because I thought it sounded great. Um, and I played the entire thing in one sitting last night. Which you should. Yes, you should. Um, I was a little surprised at how short it was. I know you prepped me and said it was short, but I was still, I beat this in like probably like about a half an hour flat. It was very short for me. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. That's, it feels like about a half an hour for the first time through, for sure. Yeah, so this game, um, I guess something that maybe I probably just wasn't like <laughs> listening to you hard enough last week, but what I didn't realize <laughs> is that the entire game is just like one level. Like I kind of thought that it was maybe going to be split up into like different areas or different like, I don't even know, like different environments maybe, but you like start, like the game literally spawns you on a platform, it's first person, and there's all these kind of like concrete looking blocks around you. And you jump to them, and every time you make it, there's kind of like a beacon that's shining up from a switch on one of the platforms. And like whenever you hit it, there's other parts of the level that rise up. And I remember you talking about this because the 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 level kind of like rises as you play through it, like more obstacles pop up and stuff. But for some reason, I just like thought that there was going to be like more than one level, but just like the one playing field is all you have. And basically, all you do is like run and jump and. Um, and there's like a, a, a crouch button, but it also doubles as kind of like a like a slide if you're running. I mean, you can also do cool like Super Mario type, like jumping from wall to wall. And you can just like bounce back and forth between the walls until you get high enough if there's like a cool like area like that. Um, but you basically just like platform run from one platform to another to get to these switches. And then once you hit the switches, like a different area of the level rises up. You have to make your way over there and then hit that switch. And you basically just do that until all of the switches are done. Um, so it was like a little bit more of a compact experience than I was expecting. 
But I, I mean, I have to say, I really did like this too. I thought it was so good. Yeah. I was worried, like you, you, you were kind of like bearing the lead there, and you're like waiting and waiting, and I'm like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> this game fucking sucks, Brad. I can't <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really thought it was fun. Uh, like it's, it, I mean, it's pretty much exactly. I mean, it's exactly what you said it was. It's short and sweet. It's kind of. Um, like whimsical in a way it's not too tactical because i remember asking you last week like you know i love mirror's edge so much like you know is there a lot of like tactical gameplay do you have to like roll out of jumps or you know do a lot of climbing or whatever and really there's none of that you just jump you can hold the jump button while you're close to a ledge to have your character climb up um you can uh there's like some platforms that are kind of like um like springboard type platforms where you jump on them and it kind of bounces you higher and a little bit of stuff like that. So it does like vary it a little bit, but it's not super complicated. Um, and I was a little bit worried that I wouldn't be able to get into it because it wasn't super complicated, but it is really fun. And I, uh, it's one of those rare games. And I feel like you and I don't say this often that like, whenever it was over with, I was like, all right, like, where's the next level? Like, I'll take some more of this right now, please. Because it's just so just kind of like fun and whimsical and it was just like an easy thing to play and you know not super challenging there were only a couple times that i got lost in the game because you can usually see the red beacon where it's coming from on a platform and there were like one or two times where i just like could not see it to save my life and i was basically just like running and jumping around this island like a madman trying to find the stupid beacon that was in the air and there were like a couple jumps in particular where you had to do like some like triple wall bounce stuff in order to get up to a higher ledge that I had a little bit of trouble with. But those sections aside, um, I really enjoyed this and I thought it was a lot of fun and I kind of, I would like to see more of it. Like I kind of wish there was a second game or that he would have made, um, like, I don't, I want to say like DLC or something or just like patch new levels in or something like that. But considering it was only, I think I paid two ninety nine for it on switch. It's super cheap. I mean, it's like, it's like the perfect little experience for what you would expect for $2.99. Like, it's short, it's sweet, it's not super complicated. It does what it does well. It gets in, it gets out. It doesn't really waste your time, although it did leave me, want, it did leave me wanting more. Um, my only, I guess, big complaint uh, from it being on the Switch is that, um, like, the Switch has the shoulder buttons and then it has the triggers, and you jump with the shoulder buttons and slide with the shoulder buttons, and I would have much rather have used the triggers, and there's no way to customize the controls, and I feel like it's like a little bit of bullshit that you can't customize the controls, because you only have, like, a few buttons that do things in the game. Like, you run around with the sticks, you jump with one trigger, you or you jump with one shoulder button, you crouch with the other shoulder button... And that's, like, basically it. So, like, if they would have let me remap the shoulder buttons to the triggers, I would have found this to be a little bit easier. Or even, like, you know, mapping it to, like, A and B or X and Y or whatever. Like, I don't quite understand why they wouldn't let you remap the controls because it's not like it's a big, complicated setup, you know, where you're doing a bunch of stuff. It's, like, two input buttons. So that was a little bit disappointing. But other than that, um, I had a really good time with this, and I thought it was really fun. Oh, good. I was really wondering whether it was going to be too simple or if, you know, because, I mean, this game really struck me at the right time. I mean, like I said on the show last time, I was really stressed out and frazzled. And this is like totally the most soothing game ever. And just the, the, the kinetic act of playing this game was enjoyable, just jumping and running around and moving, you know, moving the controls and just doing the simple motion of the parkour without really anything else tacked onto it, without really even having that much of a goal, to be honest with you, was just really soothing like it just made me feel so much better to do something that was kind of like 
I don't know, meditative in a way. And so I love this experience. I'm really glad you like it too. I, I, I honestly wasn't sure if you were going to like it or not. I mean, I was ready for you to say, oh, it's so boring. Or, oh, you know, I've, I was, I've cut my teeth on Mirror's Edge. This is like, this is like, you know, it's kitty like kitty pool for play. me. Yeah, exactly. Or something. So, but I'm glad that you were able to find the good part of it. And I wish that, I like what this game brings, like that, that sense of like, I am not here to challenge you or to make you work hard. I'm just here to deliver an experience to you. I wish more developers would do that. We've already kind of touched on that several times in this podcast, but like sometimes I just want to play something and be in it and experience it. And I don't really want to have my balls busted when I'm playing it. And this is the exact thing that I needed that day. I wish there was more stuff like this out there. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I wish I could be saying this about Ape Out like I did it earlier, you know, that it was just kind of fun and really like beautiful to play. But unfortunately, um, I guess some developers are into, you know, these kind of like easygoing experiences that aren't there to bust your balls and challenge you. And some aren't necessarily into that. And I wish that more would be into that. Um, and like the, the last thing I want to touch on about this game, and you feel free to say more after I'm done, Brad. But um, one thing that I also really liked about this game is that like the music is really wonderful in it. And lately I've been getting into a situation where as soon as I play a game, if I like the music, I'll immediately like try to Google like who was the composer or, you know, who worked on the music for the game. Cause I did that with uh, far loan sales. When we talked about that, um, I played it. I think I saw the name of the composer in the credits and I like immediately Googled him and searched Apple music. And I added the album, uh, the far loan sales soundtrack to my Apple music on my phone and I did the same thing with this one. The It's one guy who composes music for this. And I, I might pronounce his name wrong, but it's I think it's Singto, S-I-N-G-T-O, uh, last name Conley. And I looked him up, and he had a few albums out, but there wasn't, like, a refunct soundtrack. It was just sort of like how Hotline Miami does, where they just kind of take, like, licensed music from other people. And so I looked him up, and sure enough, he has an album that came out in 2015 and has had a couple albums since. And I was kind of like scrolling through some of the songs on the album and sampling them, the ones from 2015. And a couple of the songs are the ones from Refunct, so they must are not from that, oh, but they were right used on. in it. So today, I uh, like even at the office today, I just like looked him up on Apple Music, and I was streaming a bunch of his music just randomly playing. And I found him on Twitter last night, and I started following him on Twitter. And he only has like I think like a couple thousand followers, so he's not some like big you know famous musician. Um, and then today when I got to work and I was streaming his music, I just sent him a tweet, and I was like, "Oh hey, I played Refunk for the first time last night," and. Uh, I loved it, and I just want to let you know I'm streaming your music all day at the office today. It's really, it's really great, or something along those lines. And um, and he sent me a, a tweet back, and was just like, oh, you know, thank you, thank you so much, and put like a bunch of heart emojis. And so I don't know, it's just like the music's really great, and that's just like another like nice little layer of the experience. And the music is also great to listen to outside of playing the game. It's just got a nice kind of like cool, groovy, mellow tunes that you can like work to or, you know, be in the office to or write to or edit to or whatever. So it's just like a nice, a nice little cherry on top of this like delightful little game. Oh, that's wonderful. And I love like when you reach out to somebody and just, you know, just let them know that you appreciate what they've done and they hit you back. And it's just like, you know, little bits of like kindness and niceness like that are just really appreciated, especially in these very troubling times. So that's cool. Yeah, I did like the music a lot, and that's cool that, uh, that you reached out and stuff. So excellent. Yeah, I don't have anything else to offer, just that I, I really like this game a lot. As I said last time, I'm really glad that you liked it too. And, you know, I, I think that this just kind of opens the door to, like, a different kind of game. I mean, I wish more people would do games like this where it's just about the experience, really. I mean, it, and it, you know, I, I'm sure that I don't know everything out there. I'm not playing every single indie out there. If anybody listening knows of other games like this, 
that are just kind of this good-natured kind of experience, I would definitely love to hear about it. I mean, definitely drop us a line. Let me know if there's something you recommend, something along the same lines as Refunct. I would I would be into exploring more of that. I just just playing something and just playing it just to play it just to just have fun not to not to you know as we've said get our balls busted so <laughs> well I'm yeah. glad you liked it good I'm glad too and I'm glad you played it because I like as soon as you started talking about it last week it sounded super up my alley and I was surprised that I hadn't heard of it or anything because this seems like the kind of thing that would have been on my radar but um, thank goodness we just you keep either talking about games or recommending games to me and they've just really been paying off lately so thank you for that Brad you bet, you bet. Speaking of which, I just bought Sagebrush. Mm, did you? <laughs> I did. I haven't played it yet. I'm going to start it pretty soon. I was a little bit too tired last night, but I think maybe tonight I'll crack. You said it's only like, what, a couple hours long, something like that? Uh, yeah, my first time through, um, it only took me like an hour and like 20 minutes or so to beat it. And then I went back and spent an extra like, probably like 20 to 30 minutes finding a little bit of the extra stuff that I missed the first time around. So, okay. So, okay. So this is on the docket, um, for me pretty soon and I will report back. Hopefully I will like it as much as you liked refunct. I mean, who knows? We'll see, but, uh, we will find out. I hope so. I hope it's, um, cause I feel like the, the last game that I was in love with that you played obviously was Soma that we talked about, but Soma is much more of a tall order. Cause it's like eight to 10 hours long or so, but um, Sagebrush is a little bit shorter, so I feel like even if you're not as enamored with it as I was, you'll probably have no problem at least getting through it and experiencing the whole thing, so I look forward to you playing it so we can talk about it soon. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's funny you mentioned Soma, because I actually, um, I re-downloaded it after I, um, Rage deleted it. Yeah, you day. felt guilty, didn't you? I, I did feel yeah. guilty, because, man, <laughs> I mean, we don't have to cover it all again, but I mean, that's, that's kind of something to say about Soma. Like, I didn't finish it, but I was still thinking about it the entire time. So there's definitely something there. I, I'm not back to it now, but it's on my Xbox again. And I very may well come back to it and maybe chip away at it. I, re- I really want to finish it. <laughs> but God, like so much of that game is bullshit that I don't like, but I really want to finish it. So anyway, uh, we should probably wrap up the show and get out of here. I got to cook some dinner and uh, we should just uh, let our listeners go. Indeed, indeed. Um, well, cool. Let's call it quits for right now. Um Everybody, this is the end of the show. Uh, remember, you can stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter. We do. We're bringing banter back tonight. We've got almost an hour of it, so we got some stuff for Bring you. Bring banter back. Yeah. We're bringing banter back. Banter's back. <laughs> like Justin Timberlake brought sexy back, and you and I are bringing banter back. So here we go. Um, maybe one day you and I will have a Super Bowl halftime show just like he did. Who knows? Um, but you can listen to that after the show. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to send us any thoughts, any feedback, any comments, any games you want us to play, if you want any free games from Brad, because he is always open uh, for you to email him about some free games, uh, you can get in contact with us at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for the show on Game Critics' website after they go up. There's a comment section on every article there. Um, we are also on Twitter as a collective show. Our Twitter handle, believe it or not, is just at SoVideoGames over there. And last but not least, you can reach us individually on Twitter and on Instagram, as a matter of fact. Uh, Brad, would you like to give out your social media handles? Yep, you can reach me on Twitter and Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Excellent. And you can also reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Corey Motley. That is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. And that, my dear listeners, brings us to the end of the show. Brad, do you have anything to say before we sign off? 
No, that's it. That's it. But uh, thanks again, folks, for listening. Write in to get those free games, and we will meet you back here next week. Yes, it sounds like a plan. So that's the end of episode 144. We'll be back with episode 145 next week. But until then, this is Bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you next time. to bant banter <laughs> banter imminent banter impending mm-hmm. i'm all prepped i have nail polish ready to go i'm gonna paint my nails <laughs> while we record banter <laughs> actually i haven't done this in a while my nails have been um they've been i like took my polish off like a week ago or something and i haven't had them painted and i want to have them painted again so here we are this is interesting i didn't um this was nowhere on my docket, but since you mentioned it, um, I've been <laughs> noticing a lot more guys lately who have toenail polish, but not fingernail polish. So, we, Brad, we've already talked about this. We did, but this is even more so. <laughs> I know that we established this a while ago, but I have just been noticing it more and more and more. And I gotta, I gotta just say, like, I'm kind of confused. Like, I look at these dudes. Like, granted, I don't know any of them. They're not my friends. We don't have a relationship. I just. Just random dudes on the street or like at a park or wherever, wherever dudes are. I mean, dudes are all over the place. America's filthy with dudes. Like too many, I would say almost. <laughs> Definitely too many. Way too many dudes. And uh, <laughs> I'm just like looking at this, you know, these guys who were like otherwise. I mean, okay, look, I don't mean to assume I don't want to put people in a bucket. But like you look at them, you look like, you know, it's either like, oh, yeah, boring looking straight dude or like douche bro straight dude or really old straight dude or something. And like, you don't, you know, and they're with a woman or something or whatever girlfriend. I mean, who knows? I, I don't want to assume. Right. But like, you look at these guys and I'm like, just scanning the crowd. And then I'm like, I gets drawn to something cause they have sandals on or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, he's got like sparkly pink toenails or this guy's got like bright ruby red toenails, which is fine. Totally fine. I'm just very confused because I would bet money that these are just rando straight dudes. And so I'm wondering, what is the deal with rando straight dudes who have toenail polish, but not fingernail polish? Because I guess that's too much. Like, they don't want to out themselves in the wrong context, I guess. But, like, I mean, like, they want to feel fancy with their shoes on and no one knows. Is it, like, a little horny secret? Is it just for funsies? Like, what is what is going on with, with straight dudes in this toenail polish? Do you What's what's a scoop, Corey? Do you know? Do you, know you know these guys, don't you? I have zero insight on this. I cannot oh, answer your questions. I'm sorry. I am so confused. If there's any, any, anybody out there listening to the show who has any kind of insight about why so many who, okay, granted, I assume are straight dudes. And of course you can be straight. Like it's not saying that polish has any bearing on your gender or preference or whatever. I'm just like, it just is weird to me. Maybe it's just my age. Maybe it's the generation I'm from that like, I don't know why these guys are wearing the toenail polish. And it's it's fine that they are. I'm just really confused by it. Am I am I missing out on a trend? Am I am I not as cool as I thought I was? Like what is going on? I don't know. I don't know either, but I mean, hey, to each their own and uh, I don't know what to say beyond that. Well, if I could just if I could just hazard a, a very possibly incorrect kind of idea concept. I mean, I was going to give you like a plus one cool guy because like you wear them out on front street, you got them in your hands, dude. So like, that's like, you know, out and proud, like not afraid to show that you're wearing this polish. And that's awesome. 
So I kind of, I, it's like, I'm kind of like, are you, I want to be like, are you, do you want to wear nail polish, but you're scared that your friends are going to think you're not cool or that you're less of a man or something? Like, I just like, is it a work situation? Like, are you somewhere where you got to show your hands? Like, you're a bank teller? Or is, I mean, like, what is the deal? Like, I just, I'm just like, it's so weird to me. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know here. All right. Uh, banter dead end. Let's change directions. <laughs> Switch topics. <laughs> what do you got on your list this week, man? Um, well, the most significant thing I've done recently is, um, and I meant to research this before I came to the show, but I mean, if we barely research the games we talk about, how on earth are we supposed to research the fucking banter topics that we talk about? So I went to a, a New Orleans hosts an event every year called the Red Dress Run. And I didn't really, I, I feel like maybe I had just like heard about it in passing last year. Um, did not go to it. Wasn't really sure. Cause there's a, I mean, it's new Orleans. So there's like a bunch of stuff that goes on. That's perhaps out of the ordinary for other like metropolitan cities. Like we have, you know, that we have the underwear run. We have one of those, like, I know Seattle does this too, but we have one of those like naked bike ride things yeah, here. Yeah. So, you know, we've got all that kind of stuff. And I didn't like think that I was going to go to the red dress run and, and to be frank, like, I didn't really research it. I'm sure it's, like, a proceeds go to something thing. Um, but I did not look it up at all. But I know it's an annual event here. And I didn't really realize I was going to it until, like, the night before. And I didn't know a whole lot about it. I just know that everybody wears red dresses. And it also is just an excuse kind of for, you know, I mean, like most things in New Orleans, it kind of is an event, but it sort of devolves into an excuse for everybody to just, like, be out in the French Quarter and out day drinking and out seeing the city and all that kind of stuff. And so I had a friend pick me up, and we went downtown. And on Saturday, I spent... Uh, I was downtown from 1 p.m. until 3 a.m. with no breaks, no going and leaving and coming back, none of that. I stayed downtown for that entire period, and... What I didn't know was I did not have a red dress. So because I wasn't really sure what it all was about, and I also didn't realize I was going to be going, so I didn't really have any time to prep. And I thought it was going to be one of those things where, you know, like, oh, it's called the red dress run, but you go downtown and it's like, you know, 30% of the population is wearing a red dress. I got downtown and it was like 90% of the <laughs> in the French Quarter. And it was wild because like... It was like all genders, all shapes, all sizes. There was, I would say, and way more than I expected to see. Just like, and then maybe this goes along with the nail polish thing. Like way more just like, you know, totally kind of vanilla or like bro looking straight dudes. I mean, like, I don't know if they were straight or not, but just like, you know, the kind of like muscular, like frat boy type dudes sure, that you see sure, like sure. out and about. Um, you know, not necessarily like, I mean, there were definitely some like feminine presenting men or maybe they're gender non-binary or what have you, sure, sure. Um, you know, that were going all out with like a headdress and high heels and the whole shebang. But there were a ton of dudes that were just like, it was just like your everyday dude, like no regalia, no headpiece, no high heels, just like your sneakers. And then like some type of red dress and... It was really, like, kind of incredible to see, and I felt like, you know, I was the one who wasn't wearing a red dress, so I was the one sticking out like a sore thumb. I mean, there were a handful of people that weren't, but... And it was just, like, everybody was going about their business. They were just bar hopping. They were getting food. They were walking around. They were in antique shops. You know, they were doing everything 
any, you know, people would do in a downtown area of a major city, but just like everybody was wearing red dresses. And I was just like shocked at the saturation of red dresses. And beyond that, the thing that really cracked me up is like, you know, you see women and they're wearing dresses or, you know, female presenting people and they're wearing dresses. And, you know, I guess like feminine people generally you know, or, like, women are supposed to, like, you know, they pull it off so effortlessly. Like, they're wearing their, like, adorable sundress, and they're just, like, walking around town, and they look awesome, and the dress is just flowy, and it's cute, and they look fabulous. And then you see all these dudes that are wearing dresses, and it's, like, sweat stains coming through the dresses. <laughs> like, most of the dudes could not hang and were had, like, pulled the dresses down so it was just, like, a skirt, and they just, like, had their shirts off and... You know, just, like, couldn't quite hang with the ladies who wear dresses, like, every day. And I thought that was particularly hilarious because, like, you know, female-presenting people wear, I mean, dresses, I mean, they don't, you know, they don't all wear dresses. I don't know if there's, like, a rule book somewhere where they have to wear dresses all the time. I assume not, but... No, I mean, no, there, there is a book. There is a book. I've is there a Gina, book? Yeah, Dang Gina's it. copy. I've seen it. She oh, keeps it hidden, it. but I, I saw it. <laughs> Do you think she would, like, fax me a copy if I asked real nice? No, she'd get real oh. mad if she knows that I saw it. Like, don't, don't say to anybody that I saw it. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> well, like, it's just funny to me because, like, you know, I guess it just kind of goes to show about, you know, like, the double standard of, like, you know, how men are allowed to present themselves, allowed, you know, society says or whatever, how men can present themselves or masculine uh, people. And then, you know, feminine people are, you know, they just like wear the dresses and they deal with it. And like, I know because I've heard stories from women that, you know, bras are terrible and they, you get like under boob sweat and like your bra soaks up the sweat and it like chafes and it's gross, but they still look so elegant and beautiful. And then you have a dude who puts a dress on and, like, can't even hang for, like, two hours and has to, like, take the entire top portion off and is, like, sweaty and can't deal with the straps and doesn't look elegant at all. And it just cracked me up how many, like, you know, like, a masculine people I saw out. And I just wanted to be, like, yeah, you probably expect your girlfriend to look beautiful in these dresses for, you know, 12 hours a day. And, like, you can't even hang with like, for, like, two hours out in the sun with it on and you look like a sweaty mess. And it, that just, like really cracks me up about seeing all the dudes in dresses downtown that just couldn't quite keep up with their feminine counterparts and how they were uh, handling dress wearing. Oh, dude, we talk about this all the time <laughs> in my house. All <laughs> the time. Because, you know, I'm a big believer. Like, me and my wife are both, like, keep it real kind of people. And we, like, apply that to, like, everything. Like, keep it real, no bullshit, just, like, whatever makes sense, whatever is practical. Like, that's what we're all about. Like, no... No airs, no fronting about anything, right? And so, you know, we often we often talk about, like, the, the standards that women are held to. I mean, and I tell my wife, I'm like, I mean, my, my personal philosophy is if you love someone, then you just accept them for who they are. Like, it's not like I love you when you've got makeup on and you're wearing a bra, but if you take them <laughs> off, then maybe we got to re- No, it's like, no, you love that person or you don't. You love them no matter what. The, well, you love them. When they are looking their worst and they're smelly and they're dirty and they've had a rough day and they're stressed, you still got to love that person. If you can love that person at their worst, then then you deserve them at their best. Like you don't you don't be that person who's like, oh, I love my my significant other when they're working out and they don't have an ounce of fat and their hair is done up and they're perfectly tan. Like, no, like that's not what being a person is about. Like I and I tell my wife that all the time. I'm like, look, you look beautiful all the time. Whatever, like, like you know, like the other day, she's like, oh, we got to go out to go, I don't forget where we're going, downtown or something. She's like, oh, should I put makeup on? And I'm like, I'm like, you do whatever you want. I mean, if you want to, totally fine. If you don't want to, also totally fine. Like, you look beautiful to me no matter what, and I'm never embarrassed to be seen with you. 
like I'm very proud that we're together. So like whatever you want to wear is whatever you want to wear and it's fine. But like there's like so much work that goes into it and like we'll often talk about and to be fair, it's usually her bringing it up and just me kind of agreeing. I don't really have like a lot to, to add on my, my half of it. But she's like, oh, it's just, you know, women got to do these things. We got to pluck and shave and tweeze and, you know, got the makeup on and do the hair and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I feel you. Like, I wouldn't want to do any of that stuff. I mean, I look at my self-care routine and I shave maybe once a week. Just, you know, a little bit. Not the whole thing. I, you know, I keep a beard going, but I shave the upper lip and I, uh, I put deodorant on. And that's kind of what I do. That's like my routine and I don't really do anything. And that like society tells me that's okay. Just like you said, like society will be like, yeah, dudes can be like pudgy or they can be, you know, have clothes that are poor fitting or they can wear whatever shoes they like and have, you know, facial hair if they feel like it. And it's fine. Like it's all generally fine. Like it's very rare. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's very rare that any dude will be corrected on their appearance or I mean like maybe if they're like really like super offensively smelly at like packs or something <laughs> but like in general a dude can show up in any way and nobody will really say anything but if a woman shows up and whatever context she's in she doesn't like fit whatever society says then people will like look or the whisper or maybe people even say something or like guys will even say something sometimes you know I've, mm. I've actually been around when some I mean nobody no friend of mine but like some guy will say some shit or like, you know, he'll talk under his breath about how, you know, quote unquote, like some girl has let herself go or like some girl is looking ugly or something, which is fucking super offensive. Right. And I was like, who the fuck are you to comment on anybody else? But like the societal standards are really harsh, really harsh. So at least in our relationship and in our home and when we go out together, it's like, like you do you like whatever you want, because I don't want to like do makeup and do, you know, do my nails and do all this stuff. I mean, if I, if I liked it, sure. But I don't like to do that. It's a lot of work. And if she thinks it's a lot of work too, cause it is a lot of work, then you don't got to do it. Like, I don't care. Like, it's, you know, no judgment for me. You know what I mean? Like, so that's kind of like, I, I get, I get how it is to be a woman. I mean, I'm not a woman. I have not lived that life. So I'm not saying with like authority or anything, but I, I can comprehend how much work it must be and how tiring it must be to like, to do yourself up all the time just because of random assholes on the street. So, <laughs> I mean, that's exhausting. I mean, just that's exhausting, dude. I can't even imagine. So for, for us, it's like you either love your partner no matter what they look like, or you just don't love them. It's not conditional. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that a lot about, um, I mean, we're totally all on the same page, but especially like, you know, when it comes to like makeup and stuff, cause you and I both, like I've talked on the show several times about how I, you know, wear makeup and stuff, but to be like totally frank, like I, I don't even wear makeup that much, like maybe once a week. And I have like, I've amassed like six different foundations and I have like five eyeshadow palettes and you know, like these are like 12 eyeliners and all this shit. And I have all of it and I put it, I do a full face of makeup maybe, maybe once a week. I mean, maybe once every other week. Like usually it's like a nighttime thing. Like if I'm going out to dinner, if I'm going to do something, like I don't get up in the morning and do my makeup before work because I would rather, like, sleep that extra 45 minutes. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to get up that early and, like, do the whole shebang to get ready. And I often think that about, like, you know, not saying that, like, I mean, men do have it easier. They do. But, like, you know, women feel probably under pressure that, you know, maybe they need to put makeup on. Or, like, in Gina's case, like, asking you, like, do you think I should put makeup on? And just the fact that they have to, like get not have to but society somewhat pressures them into yeah. getting up and like doing that every single day like getting up like waking up like 30 minutes early so you can get up and you can like wash your face and then do your like you know five-step makeup routine or whatever because even just like 
if I get up and just put foundation on and that's it, like maybe foundation and powder, like that's like enough. I'm like, oh God, this is enough. Like, I don't want to do anything else. Like, and like, there's so many more steps you can add into it. Like you can do moisturizer, primer, foundation, concealer, brows, eyeliner, eyeshadow. And it's just like, there's so much stuff. And I do like two steps and I'm like, God damn it. I'm ready to go. I'm tired of doing this already. Um, and so I just couldn't, I, I don't want to have to get up and do that every day. And it's just like, it's just like like if if every woman in the United States of America or like female presenting person just like all stopped wearing all of their makeup on the same day and just did so, I don't know some sort of like makeup strike or something like I feel like it would make it would maybe like make men realize like how much work they put into it every day because like we're so used to seeing it that we just sort of, I think, take for granted. I mean, some, I'm sure a lot of dudes don't even give it a second thought at all. Like, you know, they just think that women just wake up and look that way, <laughs> but really they get up and like put a bunch of effort into putting on makeup, but they probably just do it so well and so consistently that, you know, the people around them who don't pay attention to it just don't really like realize that that's what they're doing every day. And I don't know, I just wish that more like, people who were unaware would maybe pay a little bit more attention and just realize like, yeah, they're like getting up and going the extra mile on a daily basis just to like make themselves presentable to the world. And everybody seems to be taking that for granted and it's not cool. You know, on a similar note, we were just, just discussing this today and about how much industry. Okay. So like, this is kind of like a larger conversation. We're, we're not going to be able to get to the bottom <laughs> of this like right now, but my wife and I often talk about how much of society in America, at least, is set up to trick people into, like, you know, thinking of a certain way and paying money for a certain thing and keeping kind of the structures that are in place in place. You know, the, the society that we have built is really like a, like an upwards funnel where the people at the bottom think a certain thing. And, of course, they spend their money on a certain thing and all that money goes up to the people who, like, profit the most from it. Um, I mean, you know, capitalism, but also, capitalism. yeah, but it's also like a big psyop. Like, it's like, you know, you think certain things like, you know, we think certain women are attractive um, because we, you know, society says they are. But then you think about all of the things that go into making that woman like, quote unquote, attractive, like the diet industry. Like, how many billions of dollars do people pour into the diet industry? Makeup industry. How many billions are poured into that? How many are poured into like, uh, you know, hair removal or like certain clothing or like, you know, whatever like if you if you had a society like you said like if everybody went on makeup strike if everybody just went on a general strike and was like look <laughs> i'm just gonna be me and if you like me great if you don't like me fuck off um and i'm just gonna you know just do myself if everybody did that think about how much money would be saved and how much money would not be funneled into that machine which really just makes people feel bad about themselves i mean if you're like one of those people who like fit the current uh, template of what is, makes a quote-unquote beautiful person like if you were born skinny and tall and blonde and blue eyes and you got big boobs and you know whatever if that's you great I mean good for you genetic lottery enjoy it <laughs> but like a lot of people don't fit that fucking mold and because we keep pushing those standards I mean same thing for guys right like not every guy is six foot five uh, you know inverted triangle buff with like a six-pack I mean that's not me it, it never would be me. I could work out like 12 hours a day. I would never look like that, right? <laughs> so it's like if you, if, I mean, think about how many billions would be saved if people stopped like trying to conform to these ideals and just stopped paying for the products that, you know, that are, are apparently out there to like get us to those ideals. Like if you stop paying for diet pills, stop paying for like whatever makeup, stop paying for the fancier shoes, stop paying for whatever. And if you just were who you are and that was okay, I mean, Think about how many industries would go out of business. How many rich fat cats would like be 
totally upset that the money isn't rolling in anymore. Where could that money go that would do something better for society rather than making women feel bad that they put on a pound or making guys feel bad that they're not as muscular as they should be? You know what I mean? Yeah, this is um, this definitely warped into much more of a philosophical discussion than I thought it was going to. <laughs> We're going deep on the Zoom video games banter section. Yeah, I mean, it is like... I mean, it is, I don't know. I mean, that's, I feel like all this is just like America in a nutshell. But I also think about like, say if people stopped, you know, say if like every woman stopped or people stopped buying makeup or something like that, you know, you have to think about also like the mid tier. So it's like, yeah, like the, you know, the CEO of, you know, like cosmetics or whoever, like, yeah, she's going to go out of business and maybe like that would be bad news, but also like, all of the people working at Sephora, they get paid like $20 an hour, will go out of business. And I don't know, all of the working makeup artists will go out of business. So it just turns into this giant like rippling effect. And I don't know, it's so much more than just just the consumer and then the CEO and that's it. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, there's like a whole, you know, economic discussion about that. But if we could somehow transition away from that, rather than fueling these industries, which are about making people feel less than and then trying to sell them things that will make them feel equal to, which in many cases is never possible. What if we funneled that money to something like different jobs, different industries, maybe, you know, the arts or more, uh, you know, helping industries or more socially oriented things. I mean, if everybody was out there planting trees and cleaning carbon out of the air instead of, uh, you know, going to soul cycle or whatever, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just something to think about. And especially for women, it's way harder for women than it is for men. I mean, I just, I just can't even imagine, I can't even imagine having to be a woman and like having to put up with these fucking entitled, like fat slobs who like just want to like drool all over me and then call me a piece of shit. If I don't meet their imaginary standards, like, I mean, if you apply that to a guy, like you would get mad. You'd be like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do whatever I want. And you can't tell me what to do. But when you apply it to a woman, like it doesn't fly the same way. So like they have all these other rules and norms and expectations that they, they toil under, which I think is really terrible. So that's really like a big reason why we try to keep it real. Cause I mean, at least in our house, I'm like, okay, as far as I'm concerned, like you don't need to worry about that shit. So like trying to create this little like oasis for my wife, you know, and I mean, <laughs> hopefully more people will, will kind of come around to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of uh, perhaps the, um, I don't know, the, idea that the paradise idea if you will um but i'm not sure that that's going to go away anytime soon in america well we'll see we'll see we'll see all right that kind of that kind of went off on a huge tangent there let's uh reel it back in uh a little bit we can talk about anything else uh you must have other things on your docket what, what do you got cooking man um i actually don't really have a whole lot going on i've been working my ass off at work i feel like today so like at work i've been kind of oddly feeling like really good about the work I've been doing lately. Like usually <laughs> I just kind of feel like I'm like, I don't know, like a fish out of water sometimes. Um, Cause like whenever I got hired, I am like a system administrator for this computer system that we use at work that we manage all of our cases with. And I used to have a colleague who knew like everything about the system and I could really like depend on her to basically guide me in any way because anytime somebody asked me to do something and I'd never done it before, I just went to her and I was like, hey, like, you know, give me some tips. What's the best way to do this? Or if I did something, I would be like, hey, can you look at this? Like, do you think this is fine? And then she left uh, where I work a few months ago. So it really kind of, um, I mean, I think it was good for me because it kind of forced me to like, kind of like spread my wings and do my job, you know, without depending. And not that I was depending on her, but just like without having to, you know, basically just like, 
I don't know, be the beautiful butterfly that I am and flourish on my own. And that became really apparent recently because my boss asked me to get sort of like all this case data from the past uh, couple of academic years and to sort of like compare all of them together. And one of the things about the system that I work in is that there's about like 10 different ways to get any data set you want, which you think would make things easy, but they each have their own like strengths and weaknesses and caveats. And like whenever somebody thinks they're asking for something, sometimes they don't really know what they're asking for. And then like the data that you try to get just really like flourishes into like, you know, you answer one question and then another two questions pop up and then you answer one of those and three more pop up and then you have to decide how to organize the data and everything. But I finally finished this big data project at work and uh, turned it into my boss last week. And he um, was very happy. Um, I kind of presented the information at my staff meeting today and um, and actually, you know, just kind of like felt like I knew what I was doing for once in my life. And it felt really nice. And today we did a training. Um, my department trained about probably about 100 people today in a presentation. And it was the first time I have spoken in front of that many people maybe ever in my life. And I had a pretty significant part of the training today. And like last week or a couple weeks ago, there's a few people on uh, at my work that need to be like brought into the system I manage for other reasons. And, you know, I met with um, the head of uh, one woman's department and it's like her and two employees are being brought in. And then my boss, and we decided meeting together and it just worked really well because like they were talking about, you know, kind of like I'm, I'm just able to like understand the weeds of the situation more where like, you know, a year ago, if I had been in that meeting, I would have been like, yeah, I don't know how to do any of this. Or like maybe I know how to do like, you know, 30 percent of the things but like as she was kind of describing what she wanted and what she needed from the system, I was like already kind of pulling it apart in my mind and understanding like how to make her account and like do I need to make new case types or do I not or do I need to set up like a watch list or do I not and like who has access and all of this. And then like she emailed me yesterday after I left work and was asking about like, oh, well, when do you have time to train us? And so like, I don't know, it just feels nice because I just like set up the training time with them like uh, and like my boss wasn't even really involved. Like it's it's nice, you know, where I work because like, my boss always just kind of trusts what I'm doing and is never really like breathing down my neck or is never, um, you know, like being like rude or like dropping, like, uh, I don't know, like sometimes, you know, he'll give me big projects, but if he's never like, oh, here's a giant project, turn it in tomorrow. Like, you know, cause the data project I was just working on took me like three weeks to do, um, cause it just kept blooming. And so I set up this training, uh, segment to go, train these new people on the system on Friday. And like, I emailed her back today and I was like, well, if you want to train ASAP, I was like, I'm pretty free, like f this Friday, to next Thursday, you know, and everything, you know, in the industry that I work in, everything notoriously takes like 8 million years to get approved. So I was expecting her to email me back and be like, lol, fat chance, like let's meet in six months after everything settles down. And she was like, okay, how about Friday at 9.30? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm, you know, suddenly uh, moving on to, you know, host this training segment with her and her team on Friday morning. And, like, we did the big training today with the big group. And I just, like, feel, like, in control. And it just feels nice to, like, <laughs> work somewhere where, like, I, I finally feel like I, like, really know what I'm doing. And, like, I've hit a really good stride. And I can be trusted to go off and train these other people in other departments without my boss being there. And and the funny thing, too, is, like, my boss, like, I know more about the system I manage on this campus than anybody else. So even though, like, my boss is my boss, like, he does, I mean, he can help guide me in certain areas, but he doesn't know the weeds of it like I do. So, like, 
you know, uh, like him being at the training probably even wouldn't really make that much sense because he can't really like answer all the questions or anything. So it just feels nice to like be in a position like that where like I finally feel like I know what I'm doing and that my partners can trust me to do what's right and that I don't have to, like, I don't have a lot of meetings I go to. So like if somebody says, hey, can you come over to our department and, you know, kind of meet with us to do this training meeting real quick, like I can do that because that happened a couple weeks ago. Like that morning somebody called me and then we set up a little training meeting and I walked across campus and like held, a, you know, it was just like an hour long meeting to kind of talk about the system a little bit. But like when we got back from our big training today, it just like, I just sat at my desk and I was like, God, this feels so nice. Like I, I know what I'm doing and like my partners trust me to do what I'm doing. And, you know, I can do, I can get these analytics for people and I can train people. And it just feels really nice to just like, be in that groove, like, and just be trusted and just know what you're doing. And I feel like, I mean, it took me a while to get there, but I feel like I finally hit that stride really well at work. And I just know a lot about a lot of things and I know my position well, and it just feels really fucking nice. That is a good feeling. That is a good feeling. I know that you um, probably never imagined yourself in that job before you took that job. And I know, you know, how your struggles were before that. So I was really glad when you finally found this. And I'm happy to see that you're kind of coming into your own, man. Like you've been there, you've been putting in the hours and working hard and, you know, obviously learning your shit and, you know, it feels good. It feels good to be good at something, you know? I mean, I think, um, mastering something, whether it's a personal passion or just, you know, something at work or just, you know, just having that, that feeling of, yeah, this is my thing and I know how to do this really well. And I'm, I'm good on this topic. I mean, that's a great feeling. Good feeling of like natural earned confidence. Good for you, man. Yeah, I am, uh, I am happy, so thank you, <laughs> and I will continue to move on with my newfound work confidence. Lovely, lovely. I look forward to you <laughs> moving up the ranks. You're going to be like CEO of your department soon. You're going to be moving up. You're going to be like no way, whatever. You're going to be running that school soon. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I I would not want to be my boss. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's transition a little bit um, in something related but not related speaking of feeling good but not work related i i don't know if i mentioned this to you or not i don't you're probably gonna think less of me after i tell you this but uh i would you know so you have a switch correct i do i have a switch also and i find myself lately when i have game time like if i'm at home and i have time to play i want to be on my ps4 with my bigger tv like i want more graphics and just bigger and more graphics. I want literally more <laughs> graphics. Um, now that's not to say that I don't love the switch. I love the switch. You know, I love the switch. I, I am a switch stand. I'm all, all, all in on the switch, but it just so happens that when I'm just kicking it at home and I'm on the couch or something, I want to, you know, I want to get more bang for my buck because it's, I don't have as much time, um, like on a, in a home console as much as I want to. So I noticed that lately I've been really, reserving my switch time for like after i get in bed like i'll be doing my you know cooking dinner taking care of my son doing whatever whatever got some paperwork doing some game critic stuff and then i get a little bit of time i'll jump on the ps4 play something and then i go to bed and i'm like maybe i'm not quite ready to fall asleep so i'm like okay so this is the switch time but i noticed that when i get in bed and play the switch like it's just not really super comfortable because if i'm sitting up in bed well then i'm sitting up in bed and i don't have enough like back support and i'm kind of leaning forward and <laughs> hunched over and my neck starts hurting that's no good and then i try to lay down on my side but then my shoulder kind of you know you lose sensation in your shoulder after a while you get the pins and needles thing that's no good i try to lay down and hold the switch above me but then my arms get fucking tired you know i can hold it there for a while but 
you know, it's just not really ergonomically okay. Like your body is after 15 or 20 minutes telling you this is not a comfortable position. Why are you doing this? We're doing damage to ourselves. Please stop. Um, <laughs> I mean, have you experienced this? Do you ever play the switch in bed? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I I understand because like you either prop yourself up on your elbow and then your shoulder hurts or I mean luckily my bed is like against a wall so I can if I want to I can like stack a couple pillows behind me and like sit up in bed but I'm more of like a because Patrick always goes to bed before me so I'm more of a sit on the couch and play the switch like right before I brush my teeth and go to bed which. I've been doing a lot lately because I almost put Doom 3 back on the docket for the show this week because I've been in a really good rhythm of playing it nightly before I go to bed, but I realize I don't have anything new to say about it other than it's maybe better than I remembered, and it's just a great game to play every night before I go to bed, and it plays surprisingly well on Switch, but I do know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so that, okay, so yes, exactly. Um, but I've, I've really got in the habit of like playing Switch in bed. Like I want to do one or two P-Cross levels before bed, or I'll do one or two little runs of uh, whatever game I'm playing, and then I go to bed. Like, I just, I notice that's just my habit lately. And I'm like, this this sucks. I'm, I'm not comfortable. I can't, this isn't working out. And if I have a bunch of pillows to prop myself up, uh, it bothers my wife, because she's right next to me, and it's, <laughs> you know, I get done playing game, and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, I gotta, like, move the blankets around and get these pillows out of here. And, the, you know, she wakes up, because she's a pretty light sleeper, and I, she doesn't say anything, God bless her, but... I know she's kind of irritated that I'm fucking around, you know, at bedtime um, rather than just sleeping. So I was like, okay, there's got to be a solution. I got to figure something out. So I went online and lo and behold, if you have money, um, you can make any problem go away. That's the, you know, the the way of of life here in America. Did you, can I, did you buy some kind of like ridiculous like shoulder harness bullshit that like props you up in bed or something or like holds the switch above your head while you're playing yeah (laughs) (laughs) you did not i I did not i did not buy a shoulder harness (laughs) but i did buy i did buy a thing that holds the switch above you in bed so you can lay flat in your bed it bolts to like my little nightstand table and it's like this long metal pole that's flexible and it's got a claw at the end of it you stick the switch into it and so like i'm laying flat in bed and then you can move the arm so that it repositions right above your face and you can sit there flat, comfortable with your neck, comfortable shoulders, comfortable. And then the switch is hovering like right above your face. So it's right where it needs to be. But then you're laying flat in bed. It's fucking great, dude. I fucking love it. It's so amazing. I, uh, this is it's like great. the most first world problem conversation we've ever had on the show. Yes, it is super bourgeois and posh and I'm embarrassed to even admit it, but I want people out there to know who are suffering along with me. If you are a nighttime switch sufferer, there is an answer and honestly, it was only like 15 bucks. Like, it wasn't like a fortune. So, I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. That's cheaper than most video game accessories cost these days. And it's like super sturdy. The metal was like real strong. And like the, the, the claw that holds the switch is super strong. Like, it's really well made. And I just sit there, get in bed, scooch in. And like, I actually leave it in there now all the time because I don't play my switch very much unless I go to work. I'll take it with me. But like, if I'm at the home, I'll just leave it in there. So like when I get in bed, like it's already in place. Just slide into bed and like pop the thing, pop the thing on, and just be playing it. Ah, oh, it's so comfortable, dude. It's the best. I, I really, really dig it. You, you have to let us know the first time you get in bed to play it, and it just falls on your face because that's going to happen one of these days. You have to report back on. That it. is exactly what Gina said, and <laughs> I was worried about it too. But I got to say, man, the grips on that thing are really nice because not only is it like a little claw type thing. But there's also like um, a little like foam 
um, ridge at the end of it. And if you, you'll notice when you take the Joy-Cons off of the Switch, there's like a little groove in the side of the main Switch unit. And that foam foam ridge fits totally right inside that, that little um, groove. So it's in there really snugly and securely. Like, I mean, it's really not going anywhere. And I've tested it a few times. I jiggled, uh, jiggled the thing to see if it was going to fall. And it seems like it's in there. So I feel pretty confident that as long as that claw doesn't, like, loosen up over the years, I feel like I'm pretty safe. I feel like I'm okay. Oh, my God. I it's, cannot believe you, Brad. It is good times. It is really <laughs> fucking good times, dude. I really dig it. Um, uh, God, what else? I had a bunch of stuff to talk about, but it's all kind of, like, random. Do you have anything else, or should I ramble on? How are you doing? Um, I don't really think I have anything else. Okay, okay. Um, so the other day, did I tell you about rewiring my... my my setup. Did I tell you about that? Did we talk about this already? No. So the other day, so we've been having internet problems for like a long time and the wife was just like, she was done. She's like, fuck this. I want to watch a show. Cause like we've been watching a show. She comes home from a long day of work. You know, she's not going to be up for very long cause she gets up really early. She just wants to like eat dinner, watch a show and kick it. And I'm like, that's super reasonable. Um, no problem. But like we were watching TV and like, it would be like, you know, buffering, buffering, buffering. Or we watched like two minutes of it, buffering, buffering, or it would slow down or like, it just, we just, our, our internet was just really shitty for like whatever reason. And we were paying, you know, good money for it. And I feel like we weren't even really getting the basic functionality out of it. So she was just like, I'm done with this. Please fix it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I called uh, this guy, you know, uh, uh, CenturyLink is who we're with. And so they sent the guy out. Kind of a long story and how he even got here. I'm not going to get into that right now. It's just a nightmare. But anyway, he showed up. And the router that we use for our, our home, like our home internet, apparently is like, a model that they don't use anymore. It's like really old and outdated. And he's like, Oh, I'm surprised you've even got this one. We don't even, we stopped handing this one out like a long time ago. So this is probably your problem because this is not at all up to speed with what we expect. So I'm like, okay, well, cool. Just, I mean, let's change it. Um, but like, you know, have you been to my house, Corey? I don't remember if you've been to my house or not. I have. Okay. You have been to my house. I don't know if it looked the same when, when you were here or not, but I have a big cabinet and it has, all, all of my systems that I play. So, I mean, at the time it had a 360, it had a PS3, PS4, PS2. At the bottom was, believe it or not, a PS1. I had um, on, I had an Xbox nearby. I had the, I had a Wii U that was not hooked up, but it was still in there. I had, uh, the Switch was right next to it. Uh, Steam box was like over like, a, I, 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 oh, so I had like, Oh, like, the Steam, I forgot about the, the Steam, Steam box. box. Everybody you, forgot you the Steam play, box. You play that like all the time, right? Like every day. Every it's my every main, day? it's my main unit. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> so I have all this shit connected. And also like my house looks like an internet cafe, right? Cause we're all hardcore, like <laughs> online screens all over the place. Like my son has his setup. My wife has her setup. I have my setup. She has a, an office in the back that she works um, when she works from home. And so there's, like, cables running, like, across the ceiling, like, back through the house and, like, going all over the place. Like, it looks like we are we are cyborgs, like, you know, inside a Borg cube, like, walking around inside of our fucking living room, right? So this guy is like, oh, yeah, let's change the router out. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And then he, like, proceeds to go and just, like, unplugs <laughs> everything off the router. And I'm like, oh, God, you just unplugged every, oh, shit. I'm like, there's, like, 42 plugs back there. And some of them were labeled, some of them were not. But he just starts yanking stuff. I hear oh stuff, like, falling. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, oh, oh. And I'm just, like, biting my tongue, right? I'm like, I was like, oh, God. Like, I need this guy to fix this. But I'm so mad right now. And he's, like, ruining the whole thing. So I didn't say anything. But he, like, like stuff got jostled. I think um, some of my uh, Switch box. Uh, not my Switch Switch. But, like, 
a switcher, like, you know, like a channel switcher. I had a box mm. back there. I think it, like, fell. He unplugged a couple of the power um, supplies that were to things that I'm not even sure what they were to. And, like, he's like, yeah, okay, here, here you go. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was like, he just totally... I had a giant, like, you know, knot of, like, cables and cords and wires back there. And, he, you know, it was as if he had just taken a sword and sliced through them all. And, like, fuck it. I'm not going to tie this. We're just going to get through this thing. And he, you know, he switched it out. And to, to be fair, our internet service immediately improved. Like, we haven't had a problem since, which is great. But I looked at that mess, and I was just like... I mean, it just was like a grenade had gone off, and I was kind of just shell-shocked. And I was like, oh, my God, everything's unplugged. And... So I just took the time and I was like, okay, well, this is probably a good time to just get rid of the systems that I'm not playing. Not get rid of, but, you know, put them up in storage or whatever. Just get, you know, get them out of there, clean it up, redo the wires and everything. I mean, it took me like all together, probably like three hours to like redo everything. Cause I was like moving wires around and where does this go to? And where does this, you know, how do I get this back there? And maybe this is a better place for this and just like doing the whole thing. Um, so I ended up packing up most of it. And I mean, honestly, once it was all done, it was fine. It looks better. It's neater. I'm sure it's less hot because there's fewer machines there, et cetera, et cetera. But, oh, my God, dude. When he just, like, started unplugging things at random, I was, like, silently, like, shrieking. Just, like, oh, it was, like, oh. It was, like, it was like watching somebody be tortured right before my eyes. And I just, <laughs> oh, it was really awful. But it's but fine you, now. Yes. You made a phoenix rise from those ashes, did you? I mean, I did. I did. It took a while, a couple hours. I was, like, sneezing dust the entire time. I was filthy when I was done. <laughs> I mean, it, it ended up taking my entire night, but I mean, I mean it's, it works now. Everything's fine. Internet's better. I got all the systems that I still use. So, I mean, you know, whatever. It, it all worked out, but man, that was not how I would have proceeded to do that if I, the tables were turned. But yeah, it surprises me that he didn't. He didn't even like ask you. He no. wasn't like, oh, what can I unplug? He just like went for it. He totally just went for it. Did not ask at all. Oh my god. Um, yeah, he's just like, oh yeah, here's your. Here's your router, and here's your bup, 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 unplug, and I'm like, oh, oh my God. I mean, I would have. How how old was this guy? I mean, he was like 30. He wasn't a kid, and he wasn't old either. I mean, he was. But he um, should know better. I mean, you would think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get that he probably deals with fussy people all day, and when it comes to certain things, I'm certainly fussy. But I wasn't giving him any trouble, and I wasn't hassling him. We hadn't even started the discussion about how we were going to proceed he's just like boom did it and i'm like <laughs> fuck so yeah that i mean honestly i was kind of surprised that he didn't ask because i mean if i was in somebody else's house um whether it's for work or whatever i mean i would be polite and be like oh you know is this okay can i go ahead and switch it out is that fine or whatever okay whatever whatever i mean i guess no permanent damage was done i ended up cleaning up the thing and dusting a little bit and it was i mean it was a net positive but just <laughs> not exactly how i would have wanted to get there you know what i mean yeah, it kind of, like, that reminds me a little bit of, like, <clears throat> you know, inevitably when I was in college at a certain point, um, probably more than once, you know, you're, like, you know, like, writing an essay for a class, and then for some reason, you know, your computer dies or Microsoft Word crashes, and it doesn't save your essay, and you had written, like, half of it. And in the interim moments, you, like, want to both throw your laptop and yourself off a building. <laughs> but whenever you go back and rewrite everything, it's always better the second time over. And you're like, okay, yeah, I had to suffer a little bit for this. And, like, it was unfortunate that it happened. But everyone is, like, this all worked out for the best for everyone involved. And I feel like it's, like, kind of a similar situation. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I wasn't horrified and scared 
Um, <laughs> very uneasy, but it all it all did work out. It all did work out. Um, let me hit you with a couple TV and movie things, and then we should probably get onto the games real quick. I went to go see Dora the Explorer. I did. We talk about this. We didn't talk about this. No, we haven't had banter in a while, so we have not talked about this. That is true. Have you seen the commercials for Dora the Explorer? I watched uh, the first trailer on YouTube, I think, when it came out a few months ago, but I haven't seen anything recent. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen the cartoon of Dora the Explorer? Yes, I have. Like, when you were a kid, or like, or, like when did you see it? Um, probably when I was, like, I think it was popular when I was, like, an early teenager, but I remember the four... I, I mean, I've only seen maybe, like, an episode or two, but I remember the format where a lot of it is very, like quiz based where she's talking to the tv or you know the person seeing the tv and there's the backpack with the backpack theme song um where he says delicioso at the end of (laughs) eating everything so i'm a little bit familiar with it exactly so exactly so so um my my kids watched a lot of dora both of my kids watched a lot of dora um growing up and so of course if they're watching it then i'm watching it um (laughs) so we're very familiar with dora and uh I, you know, we saw the, the the trailer, and I'm like, man, number one, never in a million years expected Dora the Explorer to be a live-action movie. And number two, like, watching the trailer, I'm like, you know, that doesn't look too bad, actually. Like, it kind of looks okay. Well, yeah, it looked like, like, Indiana Jones to me. Totally, dude, right? Like, it's like Indiana Jones for, like, the younger set. And so, you know, we all we were kind of like, you know, we haven't engaged in Dora IP for a while, but we all had fond memories <laughs> of it. And we're like, oh, you know, we should go see this and support it. And I got to say, it was a really good time. It was actually way better than I would have ever expected it to be. And it was really, really fun. I mean, of course, I mean, it is basically Indiana Jones for kids. Uh, Dora is with her parents out in the jungle, and they find this these clues that lead to this, you know, South American city of gold, et cetera, et cetera. But she also grows up in the jungle. And so when she goes back to um, the city, you know, whatever, events happen. She goes back to the city for a little while. She's, like, totally, like, fish out of water because she doesn't know how to relate to other kids who are, like, in high school. And it's this real weird kind of, she's, like, this, you know, outsider and makes all the social faux pas and stuff like that. But then she gets back to the jungle and they go on this adventure and there's, like, traps and there's poison and there's, you know, wild animals and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I think in terms of just being a straight up, like, kids Indiana Jones movie, it was pretty successful. Um, nobody got killed. It was very approachable for kids. So very, very family friendly, which is, you know, appropriate given the IP. Uh, but also like if anybody has seen the cartoon, they totally referenced the cartoon like so many times and they were very self-aware about it. You know, they made, they made fun of like some parts of the cartoon, like in the cartoon had Dora would always break the fourth wall and talk to the kids watching to get them to like participate or she would like repeat certain things or she'd have like a theme song and they totally like played off of all of those. So like, if you've seen the original Dora, it was like, oh, my God, they totally did a callback to this and they did a callback to that. And, you know, it was really, really smart. They were wink, wink, nudge, nudge the whole way through. And they were very in on the joke themselves, which that was great because being willing to poke fun at yourself is really important in something like this. Um, the actress who did Dora, I forget what her real name was. She did a great job. I thought she was wonderful as Dora. I would totally go and see her do another one. I thought she was was great. And, uh, I mean, just the whole thing was just really, really well done. I, I loved it from start to finish. We laughed a lot. It was really appropriate for the family. Nobody died, so there's no concerns about blood. And there's no, of course, no explicit language or sex or anything. It's very family-friendly. So I, I loved it a lot. I mean, I would not recommend it to just anybody. But if you <laughs> are a fan of the original Dora or if you're looking for a good family film, uh, super, super well done. I mean, kudos to Nickelodeon and everybody involved because I just we had a great time. 
Well, good. I'm glad it actually like lived up to the way it looked because it did look like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was super, super good. Super good. Um, one more quick thing to mention, and then um, we'll wrap it up. I want to talk briefly about Dragon Ball, the original cartoon. Have you ever seen the original Dragon Ball? I mean, I'm sure you're probably familiar with Dragon Ball Z because it's all over Twitter every day. Yeah, Z is the only one I watched back in the day because that was in the kind of like the um, heyday of Toonami whenever it played there. Um, but I'm not super familiar with the original. Not a lot of people are that I know. I know that there's a lot of, there's some hardcore fans that kind of know about it. And I was not really up on it, but I had actually seen a few episodes of the original Dragon Ball back in the day. And I remember thinking it was pretty fun. Um, I remembered watching it and thinking it was kind of cool. And then I just kind of, I don't know, I just was not in the zone to watch it or I don't know what happened. I just never watched it. Um, and then Dragon Ball Z came out and I'm like, this sucks. Like, it's just a bunch of like really super muscly dudes screaming at the top of their lungs. Everybody's shooting these giant lasers all over the place. It just sucks. Like, and I just, it got really popular for some reason. And I know a lot of people love it. And I just, I look at Dragon Ball Z and I just get real tired. I'm just like, I can't put up with any of this stuff. It just is so fucking annoying. But the original Dragon Ball is on Hulu, which we have. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is the original stuff. I remember it being okay. Let's watch it again. And I got to say, it is actually a really delightful, really funny, uh, kind of a wonderful cartoon. It is night and day different from Dragon Ball Z. I don't even know how they made the transition from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z. I mean, maybe maybe we'll find out as we watch the whole series. But they've got, like, a hundred and... 80 episodes or something that's oh on Hulu. My God. And I mean, we've been watching, we're only up to like maybe like episode 15 or 20, but we, it's just been really great and super different than what Dragon Ball Z is. I mean, it's of course, it's about main character. Um, his name is Goku and he's like a little monkey boy out in the woods. And so a lot of it is him meeting people and um, much kind of like Dora growing up in the jungle. He lives like on this remote mountaintop. And so when he meets people for the first time, he doesn't know about society and he doesn't know like what the mores are. And then hooks up with a bunch of people, like this random cast of like oddballs kind of forms his own like little uh, Mass Effect crew and goes on this journey for the Dragon Balls. And I don't know if people know this or not, but Dragon Ball is about there are these seven magical balls uh, or is it six or seven, maybe six, seven, I don't know, seven balls in the world. And if you can, they're scattered all over the globe. And if you can collect all seven and get them together, then uh, a dragon will come down out of heaven and give you like whatever wish you want. And that's why everybody wants to collect the dragon balls because everybody wants their one wish. So they go on these random adventures. There's all sorts of fighting. Um, it's, the writing is actually really funny and smart. And it's just really adorable and cute and just a good cartoon. I will say though, it is raunchy as fuck. It's really, <laughs> really like shockingly raunchy. And that, you know, we've had a number of times when I would like pause the show and we would talk about like Japanese culture and how certain things are different and like what certain words mean. And there's a lot of like sexist stuff that happens. Um, so we often talk about that as well. Like I think Dragon Ball, I think it came out in like 86, 84, 86, something like that. So there wasn't a lot of PC, um, you know, kind of like policing of the content. There's a lot of like, you know, TNA stuff like gawking at women and there's a lot of inappropriate touching without consent um, so that that's a thing that's a thing we're kind of treating it as like an artifact of history at the time and going over discussions I mean we talk about consent all the time and you know what's what's okay to do and what's not okay to do um, so that's a really kind of weird curveball that the series throws because it, it leans pretty heavily into that where 
a lot of the characters are, are, are often on the hunt for like young, you know, um, curvy girls. And that comes up quite a bit, which I did not expect at all. I didn't remember that from when I watched it. And I wasn't, wasn't quite ready for that when we watched it. But once we get past that, I think it's just a really fun show. Like it's just really humorous and the adventures are fun and the characters are fun. And it's nice to watch something that is from a totally different culture. Um, so we learn a lot about that side of things. And it's not at all about a bunch of muscly dudes shouting at each other and shooting laser beams. Like there's way more to it than that. So we've been having a really good time with it. Um, a lot of, you know, parental guidance to go along with it, but still having a good time with it. So when it comes to like the kind of like raunchy stuff, is it like kind of, I mean, I might be off base here, but is it the kind of situation where like the show was made to be a kid's show and, but like they threw in like some raunchy stuff as kind of like jokes for like the adults to get in the room or is it just like totally gross stuff that doesn't really like have an, like a specific audience? Um, it is definitely a kid's show, but I think it is just, I mean, I'm, I'm not the Dragon Ball expert. I'm not a historian or anything, but just from my observation, I believe it is just there for titillation purposes. Um, I mean, it seems to me to be a younger kid's show, but I'm guessing maybe it's for like a younger teen show because there's a lot of like focusing on like bras and panties and how big someone's boobs are. And like, there's one character who's like a super pervert. And they talk about being a pervert like all the time. And so I had to explain like what a pervert was and like what, <laughs> oh you know, what, God. what does it mean in America? What does it mean in Japan? I think it kind of has a slightly different context in Japan. And this guy is like, one of the quests they do is he sends, um, these, his, his students out, he's like a Kung Fu teacher and he sends his students out to bring him back cute girls. And so we had to like discuss that. Gross. So there's a lot of, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like ostensibly really gross stuff that happens. Um, so that's been a little bit of salt along with the sugar as we watch the show. It's not all, I mean, I wouldn't just recommend it just to anybody and you definitely would want to do like parental supervision if you're watching it with your kids. I mean, unless they're teenagers or something, but you still would probably want to have a talk with them. But I think it's just really interesting to see like the other stuff that goes along into it, how they treat the characters, like how they talk to each other really different from a lot of American shows. I think there's a lot of cultural stuff to mind there that goes along with the stuff that we may find, you know, pretty distasteful in some respects, but I mean, overall it's, it's been fun and uh, we've learned a lot. And I think that we're probably going to try to just, you know, work our way through the series. It's been a pretty good time, but yeah, definitely a, a world apart from Dragon Ball Z. I can't stand Dragon Ball Z, but I think that Dragon Ball is a pretty good time. Are you going to watch the whole thing to see if the bridge gets gapped between it and Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. I, 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 there must be a point at some you know, maybe towards the end of the series when it starts getting shouty and fighty more than it is. I mean, we'll, we'll stick with it until it hits that point. And then at that point I'll be like, I'm out. Cause like, I know that <laughs> that's not my jam. It's really irritating. And I just don't think it's very cool. I don't like the art when it switches to that way. Everybody's like super muscly and they have those giant, like manes of blonde hair and all that stuff. It just seems really tedious and boring. Um, but we're still in the good part. So we'll, we'll keep on it until it hits that section. But then, yeah, then we're out. <laughs> hard out hard stop hard out and speaking of hard stop hard out we should probably transition into talking about some games unless you got anything else you want to throw out real quick um i don't think so we should probably get to the games let's talk about some games <laughs> 